The Wolf and Bull podcast was prepared, conducted, and hosted by the Wolf and Bull team in their personal capacity. This podcast is for expressive listening entertainment, and any views, ideas, or opinions may or may not extend past the boundaries of this podcast. Conversations or specific comments on behalf of the hosts and guests are for entertainment purposes only. Due to language and potentially offensive topics, listener discretion is advised. goodness we are in episode 33 wow Ooh. oh okay so just for our listeners out there apologies if you hear any echoing of my voice i have a very large loud and large voice um and i have a very soft calm and you relaxing were, you voice. were gonna do soft small a loud large soft small it would have been a nice uh, parallel well, missed opportunity that's okay um so we are in episode 33 uh <sighs> It has uh, been a wild, wild start to 2022. Um, no more wild than the start to 2021 and the start to 2020. Yeah. I'm going to turn you down a little bit. Am I a little loud? Is a that better? Back, back up a tad. Back up a tad? Back there up. you go. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I just, it, it has been pretty crazy. You know, everyone, uh, and here's the thing. We say this every episode, so we should probably move to a different shtick. It's been boring. 2022 has been really lame. Like it is, it is the most boring year I've ever come across ever. Well, we're only, like I said, 22 days in. I feel like we've done a lot in the past 22 days in so our lame. personal lives. It's so lame. Ah, uh, well. It's the most lame year of all time. It's like, how many times have you cried this year so far? 22 days. How many times have you cried? Every day. I, I have at yeah. least cried once a day. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I cry every day, but Hey, you know, be, <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm just going to like everyone know, you know, thank you so much for taking uh, the time to listen to us today. Welcome to the Wolf and Bull podcast. Before we jump into episode 33, just want to have a quick reminder. You know, if you like what you hear and you think the Wolf and Bull family should grow, go ahead and give us a follow on Instagram. And if you're feeling really nice, five-star review on Apple podcasts, um, you know, we want to, we, we absolutely love you guys. I would get down on one knee, honestly. It's very helpful. The reviews. Super helpful. So, you know, just, if you're feeling generous, go ahead and uh, if you're feeling a little, feeling a little Jenny, go ahead and uh, go ahead and give us a review. A little generous. I just hyphenated hyphenated Jenny. Is it early morning? I'm I'm all over the place. You are. But uh, we have a special guest today, so uh, I'm gonna go ahead and give him give him a buzz, really quick. Could it be a movie star? Could it be a blameless person? That was, yeah, that was really we're both oh my god the ringing wow hello hello uh, is this caller number one well we we really called you bull to uh to let you know that you are the lucky winner of the golden ticket to charlie's chocolate factory not willy wonka's charlie's well, charlie took over for willy wonka Will I be able to meet willie <laughs> it depends on if you're talking to charlie or not it's mr wonka you charlie wonka, wonka gum course Willy Wonka is you think about that name in itself and you kind of wonder you know that movie used to scare me so much as a kid that doesn't surprise I, me I just couldn't believe that there were 20 people in the same bed at the beginning oh that's like, that's true I forgot about that they part. were wonking each other each other's willies 
Oh my god. <laughs> That's where I was going with that. I knew that it the was wolf it was two sets of grandparents, right? Two sets of grandparents and the rest of the family all in one bed, basically. Yeah. Twist, twist. That's kind of strange. Was, I think Charlie I just, was under the bed with the monsters. That's true. That's where he slept. Here's the major twist. Charlie is actually <laughs> the offspring of one of the grandparents. Oh my gosh. Why did you have to go there? Oh, you had to do that, didn't you? It's, it's like you come up to the edge of the cliff. And you just give everybody a good shove. Do, yeah. Can bulls make it to cliffs? <laughs> they can make it. Hey, I mean, hooven animals can climb mountains better than human beings. Look at goats. That is true. Yeah. Have you seen those pictures of goats like on the the dam or whatever? Not the Hoover Dam. I don't know, but they're on like dams and they like literally are walking on nothing. Have you seen those pictures? Yeah, yeah they're they're incredible. These these animals, man. They're, they're like the, the the free climbing people who are the free climbing people you know the people who climb the, the mountains for free. with like just free climbers. just no ropes nothing like alex honnold yes yeah he's a goat the goat I've lost you again. you've lost us hello hello we can hear you Hello. There you are. I'm here. I'm here. Now I can hear perfectly. <laughs> okay, good. All right. Well, uh, after we've established that the bull is one of our prize winners um, and our guest on his own podcast. Um, I lost you again. Uh, well, either way, we've established <laughs> that he's he's in existence. I mean, my I am in existence. He's in existence. in existence. My my computer is fighting with me on who gets to wear the headphones, the phone or the computer. That's what it is. Ah. He picks up the headphones and puts I, it on his monitor. Think, <laughs> you get to wear the headphones. <laughs> his computer stands up. <laughs> Gives him a quick right hook. <laughs> uh, well, the, computer is, the computer's trying to manipulate the situation. That's what it's trying to do. Typical Apple. Um, uh-oh. <laughs> Here we are. Uh -oh. Cease and desist letters. Uh, you you know, promised. I just about got them ready. To I didn't promise anything. Us. I didn't promise anything. Don't look at me and say, you promised. I didn't promise anything. <laughs> you I, did. You promised you would take your money and buy an iPhone. No, I didn't. I was in a time of weakness. You were waterboarding <laughs> me. And I said, sure, because I wanted to stop being waterboarded. You're going to do it. Well, after we've, you know, really covered in depth how Alex Honnold and uh, Hooven Animals. Is the goat. He is simultaneously the goat and might have very evolutionary like long evolutionary ties to that particular species because he's, he's so good like at climbing. A, 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 this bull and... is the goat okay <laughs> <laughs> it's the he greatest is. of all time yeah right? no i yeah i i know i know i'm just well, trying to transfer into the topic today <laughs> the oh, bull is the dead. goat and the goat has been manipulated Manipulated. By my computer, apparently. <laughs> yeah. And that's what we're talking today. We're talking about the manipulation. Um, just manipulation in general, honestly. Uh, you know, Beowulf, myself, and the bull have had a lot of long conversations um, about how I've been um, just tricked, maybe coerced into purchasing an Apple product that I just, I'm not set on yet. You know, I'm so deeply rooted in the Android family that I'm afraid that if I leave, 
Oh, but the, the question you have to ask yourself is why are you deeply rooted? Were you manipulated into getting into the Android family? Is that what's really going on here? Or was I manipulated to leave the Apple family? Or maybe you left the Apple because you did. I did. Yeah, you did have Apple. That's right. I did. I, I recall. Mm, yeah, I think that that old Apple computer is still sitting in a box in our garage somewhere right now. It is. You know. Yeah. You, you know what it came down to is you didn't like when they changed all silver, did you? No, I didn't like when they told me that I couldn't upgrade my computer anymore. <laughs> That's what it was. Is they, <laughs> they gave me a formal email notification saying, yeah, we're releasing, I think it was iOS. Oh, it had been like Lion You had or the like original Apple I did. laptop. Yeah, and they basically told everybody who had that laptop by assuming that everyone who had that laptop would go and buy the new laptops that they are basically being released from service. <laughs> so I said, well, you know, they looked at yours and they said, Hey, he's got this floppy disk in his still. So <laughs> you got to get rid of that. I mean, they don't even have those around anymore. Sooner or later, it's not about upgrade. It's about, about replacement. Yeah. Right? So it, it's like, uh, you know, human organs, you know, you can, you can upgrade them a little bit, put a little more caffeine in your coffee in the morning, mm-hmm. get an espresso instead of a coffee start taking vitamins, doing all that kind of stuff. But sooner or later, a part's going to wear out. You either got to replace the part. Or die. Or, or die. That's right. <laughs> exactly right. Or you're going to sit in someone's <laughs> garage in a box forgotten for 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. I had a doctor tell me that I pulled a muscle, yeah, and he well, said, we're going to have to replace the muscle, or you're, you're going to die. And and, oh. and and Beowulf said, hey, we got a large freezer in the in the, in the the garage. We can just leave them in there for... Yeah, the rest of and that's how I came to be called the Wolf. I mean, we found, you know, we got a, a very lovely donation from the Wolf Organization of America uh, to save my life. Um, the mm. pulled calf muscle was really. This is that's a, a woe. fascinating. That's the woe. That's the woe organization. <laughs> oh right? my god! W o o a. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> this is a fascinating start to a podcast. Um, <laughs> this is just fantastic. Well, after, you know, thanks so much for, if you're still there, (laughs) if you're still listening, thanks so much for, uh, you know, keeping up with us. We're talking about nothing right now. And um, we're talking about really transferring into, uh, you know, manipulation. And obviously, on a serious note, you know, I'm sure everybody in today's day and age feels that to some degree they're being manipulated, um, whether that be, you know, into buying a an Apple product or uh, or being coerced into medical decisions via um, donuts, which that was a really good one. I liked that one a lot. Um, because their donuts are so good. They're so good. Donuts? What are you talking about? You don't the remember? Free donuts? Yeah, they give you free donuts from, uh, who was it? Was it Krispy Kreme? I think it was Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, it's either Krispy Kreme or, or Dunkin'. But no, here's the I thing. Here's was... the real Here's the real thing about all that. How many can you have? Is it no, one per day? No, Krispy Kreme is better than Dunkin'. I said it. Am I wrong? I feel like I'm being manipulated. No, you're not wrong. Krispy Kreme well, we is better. Dun- we just lost the Dunkin' sponsorship and the Apple sponsorship. All uh, well, well, I'm looking forward to the Krispy Kreme one because it's actually you- a product I like. <laughs> Dear Dunkin' Donuts, please forgive Beowulf for we transgressions. We'll, we'll still take your coffee, but not your donuts. Please, please consider us. No, I'm serious. <laughs> Dear Ghost of Steve Jobs, Apple is not quite as good ever since you passed. But please, please bless us. Lovely. <laughs> Well, you so know, what what is 
manipulation. How about we get this ball rolling? What is it? Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. I think this is this needs some quantification and qualification, kind of put some parameters around. It. And I think Wolf, you are the man to do that. Yes, tell us. Welcome to the Wolf and Bull School of Etymology. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Wolf. I you learned this from Woe. Whoa. Yes, Whoa. I'm part of the organization Woe, and we have a real, real important dedication to the truth here on the Wolf and Bull podcast. And when it comes to the word manipulation, it's an English word. It comes from the old French manipule, a handful considered or measured used by pharmacists that's what the originating term means and by pharmacists yeah it's very strange um and that comes so, from the latin term manipulus also meaning a handful the sense of handling something skillfully is dated back to the year 1826 and by 1826 it was already used to mean handling someone skillfully so instead now, of handling something it was so, also handling <clears throat> someone no, no wait a sec though no i'm i'm back i'm back uh, our sponsor from the organization whoa telling us about etymology uh he had to go um now what's interesting about manipulation there's there is a medical designation for manipulation and a well, general it usage. like that's where it started right yes medical yeah so it, I, I i did some rare very as with every episode i did just years of research mm-hmm. um i I have a backache because of all this like carrying all this information on the words how can you how can you spell google <laughs> exactly exactly um so you know during my research it was really unclear when the negative connotation came about but a key distinction when it comes to like the layman understanding of manipulation and you know the medical understanding is uh that uh manipulation it, it, at least in the negative connotation is the intent to influence covertly or surrep- surreptitiously uh which basically means to like avoid notice so um if you were to say you know wolf you're using android products which are inferior but if i give you this donut if you get an iphone then you get this donut see how that was so covertly done it was so covertly done that was the best example that was very manipulative yeah yes. it was the best Extremely example. manipulative of you but I'm, no no hold on. let's go back a second you said this came originally from the medical side back in the mm-hmm. 1800s so a what a pharmacist would manipulate how, how many pills they give someone well how many leeches they attach to someone back then yeah it was it was They're i mean gonna manipulate you by putting 14 leeches on one arm and two on the other because you're unbalanced yeah well and here's the thing i i didn't dive so much into the medical side of things um i really wanted to focus on the the etym- et- etymological i don't even know if that's a word um the the well, i want to focus on like the general terminology of of this because the medical side of things gets pretty complicated i i <laughs> kind of dove into it briefly and i was like wait a second this isn't the correct version well, of manipulation I mean, th- think about it if you've ever gone to a chiropractor what do they do to your back and neck? manipulate your back they manipulate it right that's, that's what they say so there's that's what they say i'm convinced yeah. they manipulate <laughs> our brains <laughs> that's what they would your, say too <laughs> they're releasing your your chi right or whatever they're doing your chi we're getting a connection with a higher yeah did you recently watch mulan the new live action it was all about why are you bringing that up right out i ran right out and watched live action what are you talking about live at what is it a play now no are you talking about the movie the movie the movie movie. a live action movie straight from uh china province yes yes i much prefer the cartoon version uh yeah okay well we'll leave it at that 
Yes. We could break into song anytime. Oh, if good. you don't care about Weegers. Donny Osmond's Mulan. What are you talking about? No, I was. No, the the wolf was oh, just singing joking. random was Disney going, songs. That was a Disney theme. He was, he was singing uh, the, the cricket song. Yes, Jiminy Cricket. Don't yes, pay Jiminy. attention no, to the crimes. <laughs> Don and Jing you know, Jang you know watch the think? movie. I'm seeing a trend, Beowulf, already. The wolf is trying subtly through this entire conversation to manipulate us. I'm a secret activist. Apple is bad. Yeah. I don't think you're secret at all. I think you're just a pure activist. I'm a pure activist. So so what are <laughs> the main pure. points to focus on when it comes to manipulation well, from, from a psychological perspective? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, normally, you know, because the intent of the manipulator is to, you know, normally devious in nature, um, it's really used... Manipulation is really used with intent to exploit, control, or otherwise influence others to one's advantage. Now, what's interesting is from a, you know, I guess a verbal or discussion perspective, um, obviously people can say, well, what's the difference between manipulation and influence and persuasion? Um, yeah. Manipulation is, as I said a second ago, is negative con... con-, con- God, I'm I'm struggling with words today is negative because it's 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 a devious intent to try and trick someone whereas influence and persuasion they're both a uh, a bil- someone's ability to move a person or persons to a desired action usually in accordance with specific goals so you know according to general general knowledge um and consensus both influence and persuasion are neither positive so- or negative um and influence especially is perceived to be harmless as it generally respects the rights of the influence to accept or reject whatever may be proposed it's normally not considered mm. coercive um so that's just perspective like from the discussion like if you and I are to you know have a discussion, if I'm trying to influence you, I don't really care which way you go to the extent of trying to force you. You know, it's more like a suggestion, you know? Mm-hmm. Understood. So, I, so, so the bull struggles the, with that. Oh, go ahead, Bale. No, <laughs> oh. I, I don't. I struggle with the reason they've decided they, whoever the they is, the they out there that manipulates everything. Yeah, how, how have they decided that manipulation, that word itself, has historical contexts that are negative? Because I don't see that. I, I look at it and I say, this is just a, 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 a you know, this break out your thesaurus, and it's a word that's indicative of influence. It's how you gain influence you by using leverage, by manipulation, by uh, using both positive and negative references, by understanding your audience, frankly. Well, I think that's and, where... And tailoring what you say and do to your audience. Well, I think that's where the there's a there's a difference between influence persuasion and manipulation because there has to be a negative at least from my understanding of language there has to be a negative in associated with a neutral a neutral or a positive and i would say that persuasion and influence are neutral whereas manipulation normally from a just uh, an active perspective um has a, a odd negative connotation at least in our culture so would you say that the action of any of those things is sort of predicated on the fact that manipulation would be for a selfish intent whereas influence would be uh what oh i'm, I'm listening i was gonna answer your question and then you got distracted by my but, face like, yeah, yeah. That, that right there and that's that why we're married though, <laughs> But that's dependent, not your marriage, but the, what you're oh, talking God. about is totally dependent dependent on, My on face. the outcome. Yeah, by your face, by the wolf face. No, it's dependent on the outcome you're looking for, correct? So right. If, so if, if, if you believe manipulation is negative, then you must believe that the outcome generated from utilizing manipulation must be negative. It's going to be negative for the yeah, other person. Well, that's 
Yeah, I don't know if that's correct. Well, but I dive, I dive into this. And here, here's the thing is I don't want to get into the weeds of discussing, <laughs> discussing the in-depth, uh, you know, because um, I think but this is a subjective. Likely. I think this is subjective in a lot of ways um, because my experience personally with manipulation is that it's always had a negative connotation. Like, and I'm not from a medical perspective, but from like a discussion perspective. Like normally if I go to a meeting with someone and I feel manipulated, it's not going to be from a positive perspective. I'm not going to say, well, that was a great manipulation experience i'm gonna say i feel manipulated i don't i feel violated i feel like you know the intent of what was discussed with me had nothing to do about you know how i felt coming out of it and i think from influence and persuasion i think that's where we might be getting hung up on because if you influence me to do something or persuade me to something i can happily disagree with you i I guess what i'm trying to say is is if i'm trying to persuade you about something Mm -hmm. but you're feeling manipulated does that mean I think I'm manipulating you? Absolutely not. I just think I'm persuading. I'm mm-hmm. using the influence that I have because of you know some other knowledge or some understanding of what you like and don't like or, or whatever the parameters. Well, it also depends to on try to manage. But it also depends on how outcome. you're how you're trying to manage the outcome, right? Because if you're trying to manage the outcome with logic and you know you're staying away from like <clears throat> you know straw man fallacies or you're staying away from you know, things that normally, yeah, like appeals to emotional bias that are are typically negative, then that would be, at least from my perspective, that would be what I would consider to be manipulation. Like you and I having a discussion about the, the, the qualifications of Apple would be fine as long as you're not, you know, holding a knife to my neck. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, surprisingly, in my opinion, and based on what I was reading, what I found to be odd um, is that the mechanics behind emotional manipulation, which is very prevalent these days um kind of differ as a function of gender now i know this is a a, a topic of great debate these days but i'm going to go back to the oh, early 2000s a function of what uh it's a, what? <laughs> exactly a function of something no one understands anymore um so i'm going to go back to the early 2000s understanding of this so everyone join me um, so for males, higher levels of emotional intelligence, social information processing, indirect aggression, and self-serving cognitive cognitive distortions significantly predicted emotional manipulation. Whereas for females, <clears throat> being younger, higher levels of emotional intelligence, indirect aggression, primary psychopathic traits, and lower levels of social awareness significantly predicated emotional ma- manipulation. However, for females, emotional intelligence acted as a suppressor. Um, which is kind of interesting. Um, and I was reading about that from, strangely enough, I believe it was the, the uh, I want to say it was the, uh, I have it in the notes, um, the U.S. Natural, <laughs> National Library of Medicine, which was mentioning that, just discussing, you know, the differences. Because there are different ways the genders, <clears throat> be it male, female, or undefined, um, express their, uh, and enforce their type of manipulation. Um, now, as everyone I'm sure is probably aware, there's positive reinforcement, which includes praise, you know, superficial charm, superficial sympathy, uh, i.e. crocodile tears, excessive apologizing, money, approval, gifts, attention, facial expressions such as a forced laugh or a smile and public recognition. And then on the other hand, of, end of that, there's negative reinforcement, which includes nagging, yelling, the silent treatment, intimidation, threats, swearing, emotional blackmail, guilt trips, sulking, crying, and playing the victim, using verbal abuse, explosive anger, or other intimidating behavior to establish dominance or superiority, 
or even one incidence of such behavior which can condition or train victims to avoid upsetting, confronting, and contradicting the manipulator. So that's where I think there's a difference in the, you know, perspective-wise from manipulation in comparison to, you know, persuasion or influence because someone who's trying to persuade you is not going to do any of those negative things. They might do some of the positive things, but to a very lesser degree. Um, now, obviously, in addition to negative and positive reinforcement, there's also intermittent and partial reinforcement, um, which basically means, you know, partial or intermittent negative reinforcement can create an effect climate of fear and doubt. Partial or intermittent positive reinforcement can encourage the victim to persist. So it's kind of like a, a weird hybrid of the two. Hmm. Well, see, and now listening to that, manipulation would include say you you're at your job and your boss gives you a raise that's a form of manipulation according to this um it, manipulation because they want you to keep doing well it's an incentivizing work. form right. of manipulation so, so you're, you're saying though that it's only manipulation if it's negative contextual well i'm not saying I'm, I'm not saying that it's only i'm saying that normally it is there there can be positive levels of manipulation but i think that trends into you know, a neutral form of, you know, influence or, or persuasion. Cause if you give me a raise, I can say, I don't want right, it. Right. You know, I can say, no, I don't want that raise. And you can say, okay. But if it was manipulation, you know, uh, you would, I would come into your office or I, I would come into Beowulf's office and she would say, I'm giving you a raise. And I'd be like, well, why? And be like, oh, well, I, I think you're doing a really good job. And, and I could say, okay, um, are you going to tell me anything more than that? And you're saying, no, I'm just giving you a raise. And I could say, sure. Okay. I'll take that. But you could also say, I'm giving you a raise as long as you don't talk about anything exactly. that you saw at this there last party. <clears throat> that's exactly where that's, I was going with this. See, I, I believe that your context on, on you know, saying manipulation has this negative, mm -hmm. like, overriding uh, thought, not thought process, but kind of understanding. Yeah. And if we if we all agree with that, then we can, we can look into the things and say, hey, tell you what, just what you just said a second ago, uh, Wolf, you're going to get extra you know, three extra rabbits, <laughs> you know, three, that's you a lot do this for me. Well, I think, you know, you need a, yeah, but, but that's manipulation. It's, it's a, it's a tit for tat. It's I'm going to give you something or I'm going to give you a, what would normally you would think is a positive reinforcement, mm -hmm. but it's manipulative because it's assuming that there's going to be a response that brings an outcome I'm looking for. Yeah. Now, and if you're just giving somebody a raise, because they've done a great job, then the the outcome, the input, the job itself that got done happens before the raise. Yeah. So that's a different kind of positive reinforcement, right? That's reinforcing good behavior. Well, and you would the, be clear about that too. Is, yeah. Hmm. Say well, again? well, you'd be clear about that too. And I, I think the big differential here, uh, maybe that we're not, maybe I'm not expressing the, the best, is that I feel like manipulation comes frequently with like a, a form of exploitation, be it, you know, appeals to bias or appeals to, you know, incentives like, you know, getting a raise or like, hey, you know, you keep this on the hush hush and, you know, I'll treat you differently. Or, you know, if you don't believe what I'll say, there's going to be a punishment of some sort. Um, and obviously the context associated with all this is very, very opaque. Right. So, I mean, it's not like like I feel like manipulation is one of those things where it is subjective in a lot of ways. Um, but what keeps it grounded in the understanding, at least my understanding of negative connotation is there's always that, you know, I'll do this for you, but, you know, there's going to be this an additional tag on to it. Um, and what's interesting is there's a whole level of 
um, things that people who manipulate or entities that manipulate really tend to exploit. Um, you know, one of them being naivety or maturity, um, you know, uh, over conscientiousness. So people who are too willing to give another the benefit of the doubt to see their side of things, um, low self-esteem, people who struggle with self-doubting, lacking in confidence and assertiveness, um, who are likely to get you know, on the defensive too easily, um, over intellectualization, which I thought was interesting. So people who try too hard to understand and believe that others have some understandable reason to be manipulative, uh, emotional dependency, you know, people have, who have a submissive or dependent personality, the more emotionally dependent a person is, the more vulnerable they are to being exploited and manipulated. And then greed, uh, ironically enough, you know, people who are, are greedy and dishonest may be easily enticed to act in an immoral way. So a lot of those things, you know, everyone experiences. I'm sure everyone here has experienced that and our listeners listeners have experienced it. Except greed, I've never wanted anything in my life. Mm. Yeah. I You're live perfect. for survival only. Um, I sometimes eat dirt um, if there are no rabbits. Uh, and that's fine with me. Um, and, you know, there are many reasons to manipulate, which I thought, and obviously everyone knows this, um, cool. but there are many reasons, some of which are personal gain, as you mentioned, and then others which kind of seem closer to nihilistic tendencies, um, it, which like like boredom. You could be bored and a big like, well, indicator for you could be to me there are. It seems to me there would be like two major categories to someone trying to manipulate you. Again, using the assumption that we, we all agree that this manipulation should be viewed in a negative context, which implies that the outcomes generated from manipulation are something one side of the equation wants to happen and the other doesn't necessarily even know is going to happen yeah. or want that to happen. Right. Yeah. So the two, the two different, two different like categories would be those that, that we could unpack and recognize that there is something that there trying to strive for there is a goal Mm -hmm. there is some outcome that's generated through manipulation whether positive or negative you know you could you could talk about the greater good right i'm going to manipulate this set of people because on a on a a larger sense the outcome of having them being manipulated to do what i want to do is going to do this great thing for others that's the positive side but but the other side the other part of the equation you're talking about very it's more interesting to me is sociopathic yeah it's it's there is there are nihilistic tendencies there are self-indulgent psychoses Mm -hmm. i guess that set up an unreasoned um management of manipulation in other words somebody's bored you said well what's somebody's under- bored i'm bored i'm bored and i'm gonna go out there because i get my uh, yeah uh, jollies by uh-huh. manipulating well others. and what's interesting is in doing in having this very podcast <laughs> which is very strange is we're actually engaging in over intellectualization so intellectualization sorry intellectualization like i'm <laughs> gotta say that word correctly um so we're engaging in that by the very nature of doing this podcast but yeah that's the unfortunate problem with manipulation um especially when it comes from cognitive disorders um but how are we engaging in that i don't know because we're trying to rationalize why someone might be you know uh, be manipulated you're saying that that's a that's a part of manipulation no i'm saying people who do that that are prone to being manipulated i'm saying that that, because we don't know who's listening 
Mm-hmm. So we're not trying to manipulate anybody. No, we're no, We're trying no. to influence others yeah. and give them a perspective. Perhaps. Yeah, but I'm, I'm saying by doing that, we are engaging in the over-intextualization of trying to understand why someone would be manipulative. So that in doing that very thing oh, to I a high level yeah. makes you sub- makes you susceptible to manipulation. So it's like it's like if you were to like, I think a lot of that's going on today, to be honest with you, because it's like. There's two different groups of society and there's a bunch of people. Well, there's three. There's two different groups of society that are hyperpolarized and there's one in the middle and the people in the middle uh, to a larger level, in my opinion, are trying to rationalize why the two groups are doing what they're doing, which makes them susceptible to manipulation from either group. Now, I'm not saying that See, the, that's I, I'm in that group because I try to me to rationalize why people do stuff all the time. And sometimes I get frustrated because there is no rationale, that, mm-hmm. which is why I was saying earlier, it's so interesting to me that there's, as you were reading off there or, or going through some of the, the categories, that there is actually, you know, uh, chemical imbalances, psychoses, whatever you want to call these things, yeah. that put people in a position where part of their personality or maybe stuff in the, see, I'm always trying to unpack why. Right. Yeah. That's that's my biggest question. Why? Why do these things happen? Even when somebody's got mental disorders that you're, I think, going to probably bring up in association with this. Why is that? Is there something behind it? Is there a, a life trend? Is there something that happened in their childhood? Is there something that is imbalanced in heck, their freaking diet? Are they allergic mm-hmm. to something that's causing the who knows? Who knows what's going on? But well, it's still bad behavior. No matter which way you look at yeah, it. Yeah, and I think that's why and I can uh, theology is a great example, right? Because um, a lot of people get involved in theology as they should to try and understand why. That's a great question to ask. I'm not saying we should never ask that question. Um, in doing that, though, you find like I mean, we hear these crazy stories about these cults that come around, or these crazy stories about people who are abused by you know large power structures, um, and that comes from that over intellectualization of their that per, that question of why. Right now, I'm not saying that, and obviously, I'm being very broad here. So, please, you know, listeners, please forgive me here. This is just a very broad anecdote. Mm-hmm. But I think what people need to be do better at. My tummy is making sounds. Dude. <laughs> my stomach it. is making sounds. <laughs> it is early in the morning. I heard but, that uh, from all the way over yeah, here. Yeah, dude, the wolf's tummy. I need some <laughs> rabbits. Um, but really, you know, I think what people struggle with is they struggle with giving themselves a cutoff point. So, you know. You look at someone who's like, I don't know, like in, in a, a church that has a lot of money um, and that has its own country. I'm not going to name the church because I happen to like the church. Um, but let's use that one as an example. Um, and the country starts with V and ends in Attican. Um, or <laughs> that's not the country. Yeah, it is the country. Um, so people will get involved with that and they'll get involved with it for a very pure reason, I think, in a lot of ways, um, which is basically, you know, an understanding of why or, you know, trying to help themselves get out of something or become better at something or try and become part of a larger group than themselves for the betterment of mankind, right? And for the betterment of whatever afterlife that they may consider. Now, the problem there is in doing that, they allow themselves to be manipulated in certain ways. And as you said, there are areas, and by you, I mean the bull, Beowulf is sitting meditating on this. Um, (laughs) But as you said, you know, bull, it's, there's manipulative ways that are negative in connotation, and then there's obviously that influence and that persuasion where I think in a lot of ways theology trends towards the, the latter half, but in the worst extreme ways that we all hear about, like the cults and stuff like that, 
it's the first half, which is, you know, people getting involved and then just not considering that what they're getting involved in might be manipulating them in a negative way. Um, and when they find out, they spend their life like, you know, Leah Remini fighting against that thing, trying to rationalize mm -hmm. why. And there's nothing wrong with that. But that makes them susceptible to further manipulation, where at some point we all have to say, OK, holy crap, my tummy. Um, <laughs> but at some point we have to say, you know, with people like, um, you know, um, uh, like Harvey Weinstein. I love bringing him up because he's just such a stupid character. God, he's so fat. Um, <laughs> or like Ted Bundy or uh, we're Jeffrey Dahmer. We're going to allow some fat shaming of Harvey Weinstein. That's fine. Podcast. Yeah, he's fine. Um, but Or he's not fine. It's fine to fat shame him. He's terrible. Um, but I guess my point in saying that is people spend their time over intellectualizing why with these people. Like, why did Ted Bundy do what he did? That doesn't matter. He did what he did. And at a per certain point in time, people need to say, okay, well, let's avoid people who engage in that activity and stop lauding them, or you're going to make yourself susceptible to that very same activity later on in life. Um, and Bundy in particular is an excellent example of that because he was a master manipulator because people were like, well, he's just so nice. Why would he ever do something like that? There's no way. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't fathom. And but that isn't, isn't the whole genre of, of the crime podcasts and the stuff you see on TV in the, the uh, rehashing of every you know, serial killer or murder that ever happened in existence, doesn't that come down to the same question of why that we're talking about? I, I think I mean, it I, does. I, would you even watch it if if there was no why to it at all? Um, I mean, why did Ted, no, you know, the, the you whole question? No, you wouldn't. Yeah. So my, I think in, in the immediate... <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing. Well, I'm uh, it's my, not you. Uh, my you stomach is going to... crazy over here. It's like a <laughs> symphony of sounds. It's well, so loud. I can well, hear it with know, headphones the question, of, the question about the wolf's stomach is that did it happen right when I said rabbits? Yeah, it, it did. It, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm trying not so, to laugh, but I could hear it. Go ahead. What you were don't saying. Don't worry, audience. I'm not no gassy. I said, no, no, all I'm saying is that every single thing we talk about in the here and now whether we're talking about something in this podcast or, or the, the grumbling in the tumbling <laughs> the that's grumbling, going on in the, the background. The grumbling in the tumbling. The grumbling in the tumbling. Oh, bother. It, it, no matter what we're talking about, we ask ourselves why. You know, and hopefully the, the question as to why the wolf's tummy is grumbling <laughs> does not end up in some kind of uh, oh God. <clears throat> terrible situation later. <laughs> you know, we don't want to talk Wouldn't about Wouldn't that be dumb? Uh <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. The world's a crazy place. Uh, but I, I do think, I get what you're saying, um, but I guess my counter is that it's like with anything. If you spend too long trying to understand why, then you kind of you disable yourself in a way. And, you know, when it comes to the health issues outside of, you know, some of the, the human tendencies that we all exhibit that I mentioned a few minutes ago that are prone to manipulation, there are also health issues that are prone to manipulation, which I found are really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of which being antisocial personality disorder disorder um so that's a personality disorder that is characterized by long-term a long-term pattern of disregard for or violation of the rights of others as well as a difficulty sustaining long-term relationships um a weak or non-existent conscience is often apparent as well as a history of rule breaking that can sometimes lead to law breaking and a tendency towards substance abuse and impulsive and aggressive behavior so that partic particular health issue is not only prone to manipulation but also prone in engaging in manipulation um there's also 
another one that I was reading about called histrionic personality disorder, hmm. which is a personality hmm. disorder characterized by a pattern of excessive attention-seeking behaviors, usually beginning in early childhood, including inappropriate seduction and an excessive desire for approval. People diagnosed with that disorder are said to be lively, dramatic, vivacious, enthusiastic, extroverted, and flirtatious. Now, obviously, this is so like these, a high these degree. Types of, so these types of people really may not even know any semblance of the reason they number one they may not know that they're manipulating others yeah because you have to be in diagnosed. The sense that we do mm -hmm. yeah exactly and, and they certainly don't know why they just it's fulfilling some void in their personality or void in their history well, that they're looking to fill well it's compulsory for them so they they do it you know to to a uh, an extent of basically being um subliminal from their perspective like they don't understand that they're even doing it um and i think that's why you know these disorders which God, I can only imagine are probably either much smaller than people think they are, or they are much larger than people think they are. Um, I can only imagine. <laughs> is there, is yeah, there, two there are two different things. Yep, they're two different smaller. things. Um, <laughs> they have to be one of the two because um, because people have to be diagnosed these things. And that's why these like recent trends on the the ticky the ticky talky um, of like diagnosing yourself for with things that like uh, like there's this huge trend right now where people like kids are basically pretending that they have like forty or fifty different personalities and people within them. If you look at the history of that, the anti the the disorder in which you have like that many personalities. Um, it's actually spawned on, and we can talk about this in another podcast because it is a very interesting conversation. But it is spawned, it was originally spawned, I believe, from an a, a movies movie that came out in the sixties. Um, well, I also know, um, and there, kids are engaging in this, and it's there just was fascinating. there was a documentary on Netflix I watched recently. I didn't get through the whole thing because honestly, it lost me. <laughs> just to be it was clear, really I did good. not watch the entire <laughs> thing. But it's all about Billy Milligan who. Um, I think it's called the 24 faces of B Billy Milligan. Mm -hmm. And he was a person who was also known as the I remember camp that. Yeah. yeah, he was known as the campus rapist back in the 1970s because he was um, I, I don't know how many, but he was accused and tried for a couple of rapes in Ohio on a college campus at Ohio State University. And his defense argued that he had 24 different personalities and they recorded all of this and the whole documentary is all about it and whether mm -hmm. it was true or if he was lying about the entire thing and making it well, up or how much of it was legitimate um he did end up i think he got acquitted actually on this defense and it was the first of it well and that's the it's kind of like insanity due to all these personalities well he and had. here's and here's the thing is what's interesting about that and obviously i bull and wolf beowulf myself as well <laughs> i guess i'm i guess i'm telling everyone to keep myself in check because of what i'm about to say might not be true um from my interpretation of that it, it, that would be a really particularly hard situation to diagnose it's like that movie split um because you have to be able to determine whether that person is telling the truth about what they're saying and whether what they're going through is not something that is being utilized to manipulate others. So I can say, right. well, I have Becky within me and change my voice slightly, but be lying. Um, and, you know, this is also in line with 
I believe something that is considered to be factitious disorder. So it's a condition in which someone, you know, a person without a malingering motive acts as if they have an illness by deliberately producing, feigning, or exaggerating symptoms purely to attain for themselves or for another a patient's role. People with factitious disorder may produce symptoms by contaminating urine samples, taking hallucinogens, injecting fecal matter to produce abscesses, abscesses, and similar behavior. So this is more than just lying about. It, what they're feeling it's like well, actually it also, physically. Not hypochondria yeah. no hypo- it's not hypochondria. yeah no it's not it's the exact opposite almost um and obviously there's the there's munchausen's syndrome which i believe was actually probably i think it was renamed a year or two ago um but it's also the like pretending nature of trying to be psychologically ill or physically ill when you're not which is both a, a disorder and also kind of wildly ironic um and, and these all tie into a lot of different things, which makes this very complicated because it's like, okay, well, you have to sit down and be diagnosed so by someone who's let, an let expert. Me, let me stop you and understand this correctly, though. You're saying there's a disorder mm-hmm. that is about faking a disorder. Yeah, Munchausen syndrome by proxy. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, and that's well, by proxy is when is you classic. are faking, faking it for, it for somebody someone else. else. Or yeah, and Correctly. Munchausen's to yourself. Um, and I think a lot of those things that Munchausen in particular, I think, is probably more common than people think it is. Um, but again, you don't know unless you're diagnosed. And the very fact that people on the ticky talky are are pretending that they have something or stating that they do tells me that they may be suffering from this thing or maybe pretending that they're suffering from this thing. So it's a whole like 4D chess level of, you know, intellectual nonsense that we have to engage in in a lot of these ways to try and convince or determine if someone's really suffering from that. Now, just as a caveat for any of our listeners, if you think you're suffering from that, talk to an expert, please. <laughs> like, go someone, talk to somebody. Like, I need um, to call my doctor immediately. Yeah, it, it's some, go seek help. Um, you know, obviously, we are a podcast about ultimate truth. We're never wrong about anything. But I will say in the event that we might be because, you know, the world is chaotic. Um, go talk to someone before taking this as medical advice. Mm-hmm. Now, finally, my personal favorite disorder, which I think is blown out of out of a proportion or not blown out of proportion it's actually fulfilling the proportion that i think it is um is narcissistic personality disorder which is a mental disorder characterized by a long a lifelong pattern of exaggerated feelings of self-importance and excessive craving for admiration and a diminished ability to empathize with others feelings um interestingly enough another study that i was reading about from the u.s national library of medicine that was conducted in 2018 on the note of narcissism, um, was talking about how narcissism is increasing in modern Western societies, and this has been referred to as narcissism, a narcissism epidemic. Um, the endorsement rate for the statement, uh, I am an important person, has increased from 12% in 1963 to 77 or 80% in 1992 in adolescence. Recently published books feature more self-centered language compared with earlier publications. For instance, the personal pronouns I and me are used more frequently than we than we and us. Moreover, the use of narcissistic phrases such as I am the greatest has increased between 1960 and 2008. The rise of narcissism is also reflective in more self-focused song lyrics and a stronger orientation towards fame in TV shows. These observations suggest that narcissistic expressions within individualistic cultures have become more frequent, probably another podcast that we could do on that. Mm-hmm. But I think to tie this all together, I think a lot of what's happening these days um is tied specifically to that narcissism epidemic that, you know, I just mentioned, um, especially with manipulation, because, you know, you've, we've got an entire sub industry or not even a sub industry. It's an industry of communication that is specifically based around 
narcissistic tendencies. Um, I was listening to. Uh, oh, it's a it's a battle. It's a battle to who can be the the who can get self involved the most. Well, yeah. Because that's what's rewarded. Yeah. And I think the unfortunate part, and, and I was listening to another podcaster, so credit to this other podcaster I was listening to, but he was discussing how um, it, it is completely nonsensical for the example, the example of uh, like selfies. Uh, the idea of selfies is such a narcissistic kind of dumb thing. Um, not photos, not photos taken by other people, but like the, the impulse of taking a selfie at every instance is silly because people look at photos as saying, okay, well, we're going to take a photo of something and we're going to remember this later on. Um, cause it was a great event and this was something we want to celebrate like a birthday or something significant in someone's life. And selfies kind of takes that idea and it, it dilutes it down to basically a pointless expression of self-indulgence because if i'm at the grand canyon and i take a selfie you know what i'm not doing i'm not paying attention to the grand canyon (laughs) and my and my ugly mug is taking up the photo and is not looking at the grand canyon and when you think of something like that at least from my perspective and the thing that i wish for my future kids and future and you know family and or our future kids and family um, hmm, is is uh, i gotta correct myself sometimes because i'm being narcissistic (laughs) right now talking about myself um I would like to be able to establish the differentiation between expressing yourself in a positive way and saying, let's, let's catalog this memory for looking back on and being in the moment. And I think people, they don't have that ability these days. I think they have to inject themselves into every moment. Um, which is why this manipulation that we're discussing is kind of so widespread because it's like, I I think, I think that you're, you're pointing out something that needs to be, even a bigger focal point of, of a, maybe a further discussion, but mm-hmm. the, the, the analogy made for the Grand Canyon is a perfect example. When, growing up, when I, when I went to the Grand Canyon or any other uh, you know, place where I'm looking out in the distance, I mean, the, the whole idea of pictures for me growing up, because they weren't ubiquitous, is that you were gaining a, you were taking a snapshot of your own memory. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you if you were going to take a picture of your loved ones or somebody you were with or even get into a picture with them and have somebody else take a picture, it wasn't because you were trying to express something about yourself. It was to mark a memory in, you know, in, in the, the flow of your life. Mm-hmm. Now, today, and after digital digital photography came out and, and the self-indulgent thing that you're talking about started to take prevalence, you know, people are more interested in, in taking a, a focal point of themselves and putting the Grand Canyon or whatever moment in history they're trying to document to the side. Yeah. As if it's as if that history point in history is a part of them instead of them being a part of the point in history, which defeats and the I entire that purpose. That's a, you know, well, I think it's a, I think it's what our world has come to through social media and through a lot of the 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 expectations of uh, in the hierarchy that people have set up for themselves with yeah. comparison comparing themselves to one another and it's this one upmanship well know, were, were you at the grand canyon yeah well no that that must be just a picture of the grand canyon you weren't in it yeah so you got to get a picture of yourself with this blurred background of one of the greatest wonders of the world and i think that's where i think that's where a lot of people are maybe experiencing this this breakdown of uh of self-worth and validation is because they keep comparing themselves to these incomparable things. I mean, you take a photo of yourself, a selfie of, of yourself at the Grand Canyon, just of you, 
um, or even with someone else, you're in a way you're kind of shitting on for lack of a better, uh, you know, adjective, um, the grand Canyon <laughs> itself, because it's like, it, it, you can't, you don't compare. I'm sorry. And, and, and when it comes to, and I'm not saying you bull, you compare you, you are valuable. <laughs> um, but I, I'm saying generally like as human beings, we do not compare to the grand Canyon. We don't compare to the natural wonders of the world. We don't even compare in a lot of ways to things that have been around for millennia because we haven't been around for that long. And I think people have gotten something in their brains um, because of social media and because of pop culture that says, I am the center of the universe, which is interesting because the whole understanding of our universe is that we're not the center of the universe. Um, And when you don't have that ability to differentiate and separate yourself from reality, in a sense that you are not the most important thing in the world, then everything is focused around you and everything becomes about manipulating everything to your benefit as opposed to being able think to about consider that others. Think a second, though. Well, think about that in sec- a second in terms of some of the things we've talked about in the past where there's this actual scientific inquiry for the, uh, for our, uh, the current mm-hmm. uh, method of looking at the universe in general. There is... There is an actual discipline that says the universe does not exist except through the lens of yourself. I yes. mean, that, that is actually something people talk about. And that, that is the ultimate of what you're, you're well, trying to say. Is there a universe without you? I think that oh, but, there can't be. I've, it's only there because I view it through my own lens. Yeah, but that's I think bullshit. the the problem, though, is I don't think that that's a I don't I, I understand what you're saying about like a, a, a dedication of study, but I don't think it's meant to be looked at at how we're looking at it. I think it's meant to be looked at as a an abstract question or a rhetorical question, because it's like that when people say, well, if a tree falls down, did it make a sound if you're not there? Well, obviously, if you're not there, our designation of sound time, understanding all that are man made created things. And I think that's the argument that even further proves my point. Because if you understand that these things are man-made and created outside of the thing that exists prior to us, you understand that you're not that important. And that's why, you know, you look at things like theology and you look at things like even education, like pure education, the pursuit of knowledge. The whole purpose of those things is to express that you are not the center of the world. Because how could you be? You didn't create those things. You didn't You didn't arrive first. You are a derivative. You are a... A extension of the very first thing. You are an extension of molecules. You're an extension of atoms and cells. You are an extension of these things. You're not. You are not wholly them. And there's kind of like this weird kind of cognitive dissonance that I think people need to be able to express in a positive way that allows them to say, you know what, my life is my life, and it is important to me because it is my life. But I will die one day, and I will be forgotten. Dust to the wind. It is a real thing. That whole premise of that song, in my opinion, is you know, do what you can in the moment because you are the only person that will experience the way that you do. And no matter what we can possibly do, we eventually all end up in the same place. Mm-hmm. And there's a humbling sense to that because it frees you from that that chain and that that prison of of self interest. Because that, that's a that's a such a a shallow small box to be a part of, in my opinion. Um, there's. Well, I, I think it's a box that we create for ourselves as human beings to manage the realities that we have, and, and, and I think about that a lot in terms of two things: number one, space and time. Yeah. I know that's all of a sudden going in a different direction, but but it's it's really kind of the same thing you're talking about. We we have to, as human beings, as people on on this, this small blue dot, we have to engage in our lives and give it an importance or we suddenly realize how small and insignificant we are. 
So it depends on how you look at things. So from from that standpoint, looking at things in terms of of through your own personal outward view Mm -hmm. is real important to managing probably your sanity really in a lot of ways yeah but i think the the counter to that is that and this is the over intellectualization that we were talking about because because here's the thing intellectualization god intellectualization i keep thinking it's textualization and i'm pronouncing it wrong um it, it i think the thing and this is like the podcast that you know beowulf and i were on a little bit ago about fear I think the big thing that people prevents people that like prevents people from moving out of that box and focusing entirely on themselves is that justification of well if I don't if I move out of that box and I don't know what there is and I'll be paralyzed and nothing will matter and all that jazz well well you know how you counteract that is you counteract that by living like I mean that doing doing things like experiencing things that you may be afraid of and just doing it despite of um, despite that fear, despite that you know, self uh, lack of self worth or that that lack of confidence, you know, doing those things distracts you from the very real point that we don't know what happens after the end of all this. We don't know what all this means, and we probably never will. I mean, and that's something that, in a lot of ways, is very unsettling. Um, it's like, especially like you know, when when people pass away, yeah, the question that everyone asks is why? Why that person? My counter is why does that matter? Because you are just like them. They are no different than you. We are all a conglomerate when it comes to humankind. We are all humans. We all experience very similar experience. We all want the same things in a lot of ways. And I'm not, culturally, there's differences. But obviously, we all don't want to die. We all don't want to starve. We all, we all want to be a part of a collective in a lot of ways. And when you understand that everyone is more similar to you than you are different to them, you understand that those questions of what happens after and why this, and if you, and if you live life like you're meant to, those things don't matter. And, and that's the real thing that I think is a problem when it comes to this box we're talking about and manipulation in general is because people in society, especially in Western culture right now and in Eastern culture in a lot of different ways, um, but in Western culture right now are being manipulated to believe that it will continue forever. They will be able to live their life forever. They will never die. And when they do die, it, it won't happen to them. And that's what I think is a big problem here is that people... That's why you see this lack of empathy. That's why you see this rise in narcissism. It's because they're being coerced and manipulated into believing that that is the best way as opposed to to realizing that you could die at any time. And so it's best to live your life in a way that's not only beneficial to you in in adverse to any fear or negativity that you may see, um, but also beneficial to others around you because then you let those people know by signaling that you're living your life that they are valuable and should do the same. And I think that's the big problem here. And when it comes to manipulation, the the big lie, everyone keeps mentioning big lie politically. That's such a stupid position on both ends. But the big lie is that this is, you know, something that is purely subjective to you and that others don't exist. And I think people engage in that to such a high degree these days that it's like (laughs) waking them up from it. I don't know if that's even possible. Well, and at the same time, you know, media in general is promulgating that kind of of individualistic uh, determination. You know, you, you look at all these, I mean, every damn thing is metahumans and superheroes and this and that, which yeah. all, all that really is is an extension of telling an individual that somehow or another there are some, in some way, shape, uh, 
more uh, more superior to those the, the collective around them, mm-hmm. which is not true. It never has been true, and you know, it, it won't be in the ways that those those uh, media elements tell us. Yeah. So it's it's real interesting to me, and I, I don't know. I mean, I know we, as usual, divert from the topics, but manipulation is a very very interesting kind of way of of uh, kind of managing truth, right? Yeah. And it it zeroes in on individuals' perspectives on what they determine their truth to be, mm-hmm. what they may falsely determine their truth to be, what they're trying to get other people to manage the opposing truth to be but i guess what it comes down to is the collective agreements determine what truth really is and there are kind of benchmarks or lighthouses or or standards if you will that time produces over the over a a history of a culture that determine kind of where the parameters are of right and wrong otherwise you can have a ted bundy and people go "Eh, who cares well and that's it's just a yeah, and, and and that's, I think, what, what I think is actually happening, is we have a lot of Ted Bundys out there that are saying, who cares? And I say that, like, very loosely. That is just a comparative. I don't mean that seriously. Hopefully not. Um, but that's what would tie into that narcissism problem that I brought up a second ago, is, you know, the, the lack of empathy, the lack of anything matters. And it, it it's very... I think that to me is more unsettling, frankly, than the, the subject or and the eventual... Um, the eventuality of my demise, frankly, because it, it's, I, I've always considered life as I've grown. Well, not always. That's, you know, we're going to stay away from absolutes. Um, I have started to consider life as I've gotten older as a, like as a book, it is a beginning and an end. And a book is not good if it has no end. Um, same thing with a, a book that has, doesn't have a comprehensive beginning. And there's a bunch of stuff in the middle that matters as well. Um, but the whole trend, and it very much is a trend, I think, especially with modern society. Um, I think we've, and I'll get into some other techniques of manipulation, by the way, but I'm going to use one of them. I think we've gaslit ourselves in a lot of way, a lot of ways, and we've, in doing so, we've moved that Overton window, not politically, but you know, from a, a cultural perspective, um, of realizing that we're mortal. And I mean, you look at you look at a, a ton of historical examples theologically be it you know christianity or um or islam or i mean hell even even you know the the greek um belief of greek gods they 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 they, they hung on the mortality of man they talked about the mortality of man they reminded everyone of the mortality of man and i think with the advent of technology and the progressivism associated with that that is really fast track technology to a point where we can't keep up um, and we won't be able to. We have deluded ourselves into believing that we can somehow outpace our own mortality. And that allows for all this shit that we're talking about. I mean, if you if you are, you know, stunned into over-intellectualization, or if you're stunned into, you know, understanding why, you're missing the very point. Because you sometimes we're not supposed to. And... You know, when it comes to the manipulation strategies of, of social media and pop culture and even the people around you, there's a lot of different things that people can utilize to try and trick you into thinking certain things. Now, one of them I mentioned a second ago with gaslighting, um, it, it technically is a favorite trend of bad faith political actors. Um, it's also colloquially was, uh, God, these words today. 
<laughs> uh, colloquialism. Good job. Um, you got it. It is loosely defined as making someone question their own reality. Um, now, what's so funny about that is, as you know, the the bull brought up, there's a whole study of, you know, your own reality only existing because you're perceiving your own reality. Mm. Um, so gaslighting in and of itself is particularly effective because I can have a conversation with you and trick you into believing that what you believe doesn't really exist and isn't really true as long as I keep saying what I'm saying over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again until you just stop fighting me. You know, I, I don't know, just to stop you for a second, I don't know if listeners out there kind of know what gaslighting is. I remember the first time I heard that terminology, which was really wasn't so long ago, but it's been around for, geez, almost 100 years probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, maybe a little bit a shorter. Lot of people did. Well, it's been around since people were using gas lights. So well, it comes, it's, it's specifically, it's years. yeah, but it comes specifically from a, a movie. I can't remember what the movie is called, but I'm pretty sure that movie was in the sixties or seventies, um, in which the husband was trying to convince his wife that what she was experiencing wasn't really happening, even Correct. though he was manipulating all of it. Um, Correct. But, but the, the, the terminology itself, just to, mm. to kind of clarify it, maybe if you, I've never watched the movie, I think it was the fifties or sixties, as you said, but basically the husband was, turning down the mm-hmm. lights and then claiming they were not turned down. Yeah. So the wife kept looking at this and thinking that her sight was going mm-hmm. because the lights were getting dimmer and dimmer and dimmer, thus gaslighting. And it drove her crazy. So it, yeah, it, absolutely. And that was the intent of the manipulation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, uh, it's good to just kind of have a definition around that. But I think you're absolutely right that, that that is, that is one of the gimmicks or tricks that is used probably uh, again one of the probably the reasons manipulation has such a bad context to the word itself yeah and and i mean just to give a clarified definition um of gas someone who's a gaslighter is someone who presents a false narrative to another group or person which leads them to doubt their perceptions and become misled um generally for the gaslighters on benefit uh and then they become disoriented and distressed um and this dynamic is only possible when the audience is vulnerable so there's unequal power relationships or when the audience is fearful or lo- or the losses associated with challenging the false narrative are more important than the truth um now gaslighting again isn't necessarily malicious or intentional according to this definition uh, my question to that is how can it not be malicious or intentional? Um, I mean, if you were trying to gaslight someone into believing something without by talking out of your ass, it may not be intentional on your part, but the result ends the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, I think, you know, that's something that people are sub- particularly, particularly these days are very susceptible to because um, a lot of people are afraid. Um, they, they're afraid and the losses associated with not perpetuating whatever narrative I might be discussing, uh, to them are perceived as very large. And that's why you have this grouping of people in the middle who are over-intellectualizing the events that are going on rather than making a decision which is leading to certain paths that we are inevitably going down that we can't reverse. Um, now, another thing, another you know form of, I guess, mainstream manipulation is a confidence trick. Um, this is more so in an attempt to defraud someone or a group after gaining their trust. But confidence tricks exploit victims using their cred- credu- qu- God, 
credulity, naivety, uh, compassion, vanity, confidence, irresponsibility, and greed. Researchers have defined confidence tricks as a distinctive species of fraudulent conduct. Uh, intending to further voluntary exchanges that are not mutually beneficial as they benefit con operators at the expense of their victims. And one that I can possibly think of that I definitely know people would disagree with me on because you can't, you can't disagree with the money um, is college. Mm. That's a great confidence trick because you're conning people into paying extremely high premiums, ridiculously amounts of uh, ridiculous amounts of money um, to perpetuate something that is not mutually beneficial. Because you have a piece of paper that you spent $100,000 on and the college has $100,000 that they can spend whatever the fuck they want to on. And that $100,000 from you is going to probably result into $150,000 or $200,000 with interest. Um, now, I'm not saying that college isn't valuable. I'm saying the, the financial aspect of it right now, I would say, probably trends into that confidence trick area. And in a lot of ways, I think, in even though it's not defrauding because it is technically you agreeing to it, it can be from a certain perspective consider that because the agreements that you are tied into are not explained to you in any way um or expressed logically in any way they're written in lawyer language um and then finally i think one of the biggest ones in addition to gaslighting is media manipulations um and i think this happens on all ends of this the factor all ends of the ends of the spectrum um and that's why i think i i, ex, I expressly appreciate organizations that say what their intent is like oh we're right leaning oh we're left leaning oh this is what we are we have bias here we have bias there um now media manipulation is basically a series of related techniques in which partisans create an image or argument that favors their particular interests such tactics may tactics may include use of logical fallacies manipulation outright deception or disinformation rhetorical and propaganda propaganda techniques and often involve the suppression of information or points of view by crowding them out by inducing other people or groups of people to stop listening to certain arguments or by simply diverting attention elsewhere which weird that sounds like everything right now um and and look obviously those two last ones gaslighting and media manipulation are probably podcasts in themselves um but i think what's so funny is as i brought up earlier the theological discussion of people convincing themselves to getting into something and then being further manipulated the same thing's happening right now with media uh, people they they are unwilling to listen to alternatives uh, a prime example is <laughs> the very popularized uh, anti argument of natural immunity doesn't exist which is going on right now um even though the cdc says that you know people who actually you know caught something that is should be unnamed um are just as uh you know, in opposition to that said thing as they otherwise would have been had they have taken something artificial. Um, and Isn't I don't want amazing that you, we have to dance around the subject like we do. Well, that, that should amazing? tell you something that should tell you something. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and I think that's the, the real question I have at the end of this is, you know, what, what can we do about it? And I mean, if you want my honest, uh, honest opinion without being positive, uh, there's not much we can there's not much we can do um, because we are down a path that, you know, we can't really get off of until we reach wherever that path leads. Um, well, I think the thing that you can do is do exactly what we're doing. Yeah. And that's discuss exposing, it. exposing the variable opinions that are out there and let people make their own decisions, not to manipulate people to make their own decisions, but allow the information to disseminate through whatever crowd you're talking about mm-hmm. and then have people with their own agency make their own decisions on things which is wow how about that yeah people make up their own minds never would have thought about that um and in addition to that there are some things that we can do um i don't think we can avoid manipulation entirely frankly i think that it's just always gonna be a part of life 
because um, people are always vying for you know your interests and your your allegiance, etc. But at least for gaslighting, you know what I can say about that is people ground yourself. And this is a suggestion. This is a suggestion. You choose to do what you want to do. For me, what works best is grounding myself in my own reality um, that are based around universal truths that have been around longer than I have. Um, and the reason I say that is because things that have been around for a long time, uh, traditionalism things, conser- you know, whether they be conservative or liberal, um, there is a history tied to those things. And sometimes, very rarely, they can be wrong. But in a lot of ways, they also uh, have a lot of truth to them. Um, you know, if, you, if you're having a discussion with someone and you've experienced something and you're sure you've experienced it and they, you think they're gaslighting you or you think an entity is gaslighting you, you know, write down the things that you, you know, you experience as they occur and discuss with people that, you know, may have different views or the same views as yourself. Um, you know, most importantly, I would say educate yourself. You know, if you're educated on a topic and you understand how it works, you know, gaslighting works exceptionally well on people who are unsure of what is true and unsure of the thing that they're discussing, um, thus making them vulnerable to that form of manipulation. And I think in a lot of ways, humans are particularly vulnerable to that form of manipulation anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you know, understanding why things exist and the purpose behind them and the background behind arguments and the background behind history and all those things, understanding them comprehensively and more so than just layman general generalizations kind of protects you from the shit. Um, I mean, you look at the history of our country, the reason people believe what they believe, especially when it comes to the 1619 project, um, because I'm going to bring that up as a great example the the Robin D'Angelo, the person that created that, came out and said that that was a commentary. And the people who read it, thinking it was history, believe that it's history even after she's come out and said that it's commentary. Um, well, it, it, that's what's so interesting. She said it was commentary in in reflection of some. Was that some Robin D'Angelo? Other people. Uh huh. It wasn't Robin D'Angelo. No, it wasn't. I don't think uh, so. That was White Fragility. Oh yeah, you're yeah. right. Um, God, yeah. who was the 1619 Project? It, it I was, was going to say uh, that wasn't the Robin. Gal D'Angelo. from the who was the New York Times editor? I think it was. Uh, I forget her name now. Oh, Nicole Hannah Jones. I should remember. Nicole Hannah Jones. Yeah, and and look, but I, it, it was she did not write that as a as a piece of fiction, even if she claims that. Now. Well, she wrote it. She wrote it as a way to quote unquote manipulate. Sure, and in, it, in whatever fashion we're talking about. Well, but, but I, I think you brought up a point a second ago, Wolf, that is really important for people to resonate on, and that's that things are the way they are because of time, because of history, because mm-hmm. of of evolving understandings of what's important, what's not, what's legitimate, what's not, et cetera, et cetera. And then and what, what that does is it takes out of the equation the volatility of change. Doesn't mean things don't change. Doesn't mean things in the past were right. Doesn't mean that we're always wrong. Doesn't mean any of that. It just means that there is a, a succinct logical expression that occurs over time, over reasoned evaluation of those things to make change. Mm-hmm. And today, everybody wants to make change for change's sake, and they want to make it immediately. They want it to burn stuff down, to erect something new mm-hmm. without considering any of what I just mentioned. Yeah, And that is the thing that creates this huge amount of, of volatility in our systems and creates this huge amount of, of pressure on people to look at themselves instead of looking at a larger collective. And I think it all ties together in a, in a little bow. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the answer is stop looking at yourself. Stop looking at yourself. Yeah. Get away from the freaking mirror and look at other people and understand that you're not in this world alone and that there's a bigger picture than you can see through the, your 
you know, a bull colored or wolf colored or Beowulf colored or anybody else's colored glasses. Yeah. And I think, you know, the best way to, I guess, end this episode is probably to bring up uh, something from one of my favorite books uh, created and something I think we're living right now um, from 1984 um, by George Orwell. And I think we brought this up in other episodes, but I think it's comprehensive. I think it it definitely ties into this um, because it talks about what we're discussing, you know. Uh, the quote goes, uh, every record has been destroyed or falsified. Every book has been rewritten, rewritten, got rewritten, rewritten. Every picture has been repainted. Every statue and street and building has been renamed. Every date has been altered. And that process is continuing day by day and minute by minute. And the whole argument of that, from my perspective, is, as you were saying a second ago, you know, if we don't educate ourselves, we don't take our focal point off of us and we allow for people to move the goalposts um which is basically a logical fallacy in which someone you're having a discussion with um decides to set up another expectation or requirement of proof after you've met their initial request if we allow people to do that and we do that to ourselves all we're doing is we're just rewriting the very reality that we exist within for the sake of rewriting it and for the sake of ultimate progressivism um, I don't have a problem with progressivism, but I think progress progress for the sake of progress without context um, is is pointless. It doesn't make any sense. Doesn't Umbridge say that in Harry Potter? Maybe. She says progress for the sake of progress when she comes to Hogwarts. Yeah. I immediately connected that to a Hogwarts thing. Well, and the, what's so funny <laughs> is all the, the Harry Potter heads out there these days uh, unwittingly are engaging in the very thing that J.K. Rowling, uh, even though she is an insensitive anti-trans person i'm kidding i don't care um but it's they're engaging the very things that she discussed just like with that 1984 quote that i read a second ago people are actively engaging in these things without understanding that they are doing them because they're so deluded by the very gaslighting that they're going through that they think that they are not the ones doing the gaslighting this is like it's a literal cluster of just 4d chess to the end of time and that's why you know here in the Wolf and Bowl, we believe that if you're going to play chess, you shouldn't play 4D chess. You should play 3D chess because we know that 3D chess makes more sense than 4D chess because you can see where the chess pieces. I don't know where I'm going with this I, advertisement for 4D chess. 4D chess is you again in Harry Star Potter. Track is what you're going. Yeah, yeah. It's in, it's in 4D chess is in Harry Potter. That's in the very in, in the Sorcerer's Stone or the Philosopher's Stone, if we're going to be politically. Sorry. Correct, I guess. Well, I, only, I only watched it once instead of Remember? 15 times. They go, they're, they're looking <laughs> for peasant. the stone, and they go to the giant chessboard. I wouldn't say it's 4D chess. Yeah, well, I was yeah, trying to really remember right, at the very end of the Philosopher's Stone, what was really going on was that the main uh, protagonist was mm-hmm. <clears throat> two-faced. That's right. Well, the main antagonist. He was also a white man wearing a turban. (laughs) The main protagonist, uh, Voldemort, was two-faced. He was wearing a (laughs) turban to allow for his second face to be hidden. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's, hey, whether we have one face or two, we should all understand that uh, we got to face the future together. Well said. And justice dies in the darkness if you don't fight Two-Face. You like that? That was a really good (laughs) Batman (laughs) reference there. Very Very nice. All right. Well, thanks so much, everybody. Thanks. Thanks, uh, Bull, for joining us via long-distance communication. Thank Um, you. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see you on the next one. Hey, everyone. 
This is The Wolf speaking, wrapping up yet another episode of The Wolf and Bolt podcast. We appreciate you spending your time with us, and we can't wait for you to hear our next episode. If you like what you heard, tell your friends and family, your neighbors, the local bartender, your doctor, your boss, and hell, you can even tell us. By leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, you can directly help build the Wolf and Bull cult. I mean, uh, the Wolf and Bull family. We can be found on most major podcasting platforms and social media. So what are you waiting for? Scoot on out of here and enjoy your day. But you should probably leave us a review first. But make sure to enjoy your day. But don't forget to leave us a review. Okay, bye!